I am joined this week by Jan Mesrak, who is the CEO. Oh, we call that a managing partner these days. Man- too small to have a CEO. Okay. Uh, so managing partner at MHQ in DIFC. Welcome, Jan. Thank you. How are you, buddy? Brilliant. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you very much for your time. I've been really, really looking forward to this particular episode. Jan and uh, myself and Lewis have been working with uh, his company, MHQ, for the last about four years. And they've done lots of work with regards to our company, our structure. And one of the things we're going to be talking about today, amongst other things, are foundations in real estate and what that is and really why it's in place. But I think before we talk about foundations, I think it's really important for us to kind of talk about really what it is first and why they exist. And then we can work our way back about what really where, where things kind of started because we also been also opened in 2008, as many people may know. My experience of real estate in Dubai when I first moved here was like it was a wild wild west. It was crazy. There was no rules, no regulations. Anyone and everyone would be selling properties. Well, you could be a taxi driver, you know, someone works behind a bar. There was there was no rules. Move forward to today, 2023. There are certainly in the last two three years, there is so much more regulation. There is uh, a higher standard and expectation of how things are done, and I think a better understanding at government level with regards to ownerships, structures, to, to ensure that this is a transparent and a properly run property market. So tell us very briefly what a foundation is and what, that, what, what, the, what its purpose is. So plenty of your audience will be familiar with wills, with companies, with trusts. A foundation is, to make it simple, like a balloon, that floats around in perpetuities with looks and smells like a company, but that addresses all aspects of a trust and a will. So it's all put together in a simple matter. And we'll go into the detail later on. Okay. So your company, MHQ, tell us a little bit about what you guys do, because this is one facet of multiple things I'd imagine you're involved in. Tell, tell us what, a little bit about your company. So uh, being in the Middle East uh, 18 years, uh, game no one wanted to employ me. So we had to set up um, our own firm. Today we're around 145. So we're what is called a multi-fiduciary firm, uh, about yeah, 150 people. Uh, and what we do is we structure wealth. So we structure entrepreneurs like yourself. We enter uh, family offices, family holdings, whenever they want to structure or structure optimize the holding of high value or strategic assets. Think shares, think financial portfolios, think uh, art, but also and foremost, real estate. Okay. And in a couple of conversations I've been having with your team in the last few months are new things that are coming into the country or into the marketplace, such as tax. Some of the things that you kind of can guide people on and put people in the right directions, right? Yeah, so of course, when you are a service firm in a specific industry, the core of what you do is something, but then you need to have ancillary services. So tax tax advice would be one, legacy planning would be another. Uh, then you need to have an accountancy service. You need to have a, a reporting, outsource HR. So we have built this platform for pretty much entrepreneurs, generation one, generation two to come. Uh, and it's like a menu, you pick whatever you want. And of course, the topic of the day is often legacy planning and often uh, tax on the other side, and you can combine this in the middle. So when I, when we first opened also and also the, the actual process of buying properties actually changed quite a lot. And back, back in many years ago, you'd have to physically go to a land department or physically go to appointments. 
And the more and more now, it's either things are done via forms, a lot of the time via trustee offices, and to buy a property was a lot more simplistic. Um, you could buy properties in companies, BVIs, but I think there's been a a requirement to, to really to kind of have more sophisticated solutions for, well, like say, four family offices, four people like myself. I guess the reason why I engaged with you guys about this or you suggested it to me was that you know, at some point in the future, you know, it's inevitable what you know what what will happen next. And my biggest concern was my two daughters. Everything that I'm working for right now, when that day happens and I pop my clock, so to speak, <laughs> that can life continue for them or can it be as as not as difficult as possible, less friction? So if I didn't have a foundation today, let's say, and I didn't have any assets in this foundation, what is the potential scenario that my family could go through in the event that in my passing today without a foundation, what might happen? So, so it's a very good starting point. Let's remember one thing is that the UAE is a very sophisticated jurisdiction. It's easy to live in. Everyone wants to come here, uh, but it's a Muslim country. And that has an impact on plenty of people that want to come here, whether they are Muslims or not. So let's say you do nothing uh, as an entrepreneur here and you hold these assets in your own name. In the event of your passing, the first thing that would happen is all these assets would be frozen which is often problematic because you need to pay salaries, uh, you need to pay schools, you need to pay for stuff. And then you have often uh, your life partner and your kids, which are, okay, what do we do now? Uh, so this freeze is not permanent. Uh, it would be followed by the opening of a probate process. This is effectively a judge taking the matter and opening a succession procedure and determining who are the heirs, what are the assets, and how they are allocated. If nothing is done and you are uh, non-Muslims, uh, today the local judge would actually apply local regulation, which in most cases would be uh, local Sharia law. Uh, so a distribution as assets per Sharia, which is not optimal, particularly if your uh, children are minors. So a lot of people would say, okay, that's not what I want. So then you need to look at solutions. Uh, solutions, there were pretty much none 15 years ago. This is one of the reasons why people started to structure real estate in foreign-based companies, so they were effectively pushing the problem abroad. Uh, but it's heavy, it's complicated, and it's not for everyone. Uh, later came so-called domestic wills, where someone, let's say UK national, could uh, go in front of a notary, or later in front of the DIFC court, and register uh, a will whereby you would define in the event of my demise, I want UK law to apply and I want, for example, my wife to receive all these assets and to defreeze these assets and them being transferred to her. This is the simple solution uh, for someone that has very basic needs. Okay. But often uh, people have more sophisticated needs and that's where a more sophisticated structure come into play. So in the event that I have a will, mm -hmm. that have a foundation, Sharia law would not apply because I'll have a will, right? But there's still a process to go through? Yes. So it could be, what, I know we're in the hands of courts, but what, two, three months? Uh, usually more. Uh, and that is in the event that there's no objection because you cannot prevent uh, 
a remote member of your family. So let's say Lewis has a claim let's, on the, the let's, estate. Let's say Lewis or, or, or perhaps one of your parents that would claim and say, hey, I'll object uh, under foreign law. I actually think I have the right to some of these assets or I'll lend that person money. So I have a claim against the succession and this could block the process and at the very least make it longer. Okay. So that would mean for me and me personally speaking right now, and if I pass today, company bank accounts, Yes. Freeze? Yes. And no one's getting salaries. You want to hope I don't die? Yeah. Today. <laughs> um, personal bank accounts? Personal bank accounts. Unable to transact on my properties? So everything, it, everything sucks. You could not sell the property during the process. Yeah. Scary. Very, very scary. So what, do, what solution does the foundation then solve? Because obviously we talked at the start about yeah, acting and behaving like a company. But you, I think you and I, when we spoke off camera, the biggest thing for me was that if in the event of my passing, things don't change, it's just there's continuity there. Yeah. Can you explain how that works? So imagine you are holding, let's say, a bag of, of cash. Uh, and if you pass away, you will, this will fall uh, and it will be frozen because it's you holding that in your personal capacity. Now imagine blowing up a balloon that floats around above this table and taking this cash and putting it just under this balloon. So it's still yours, you are still controlling it, uh, but it is held by this balloon forever. Now, if something happens to you, no big deal, because this balloon keeps on floating with the cash. And if you have given instruction on how to manage that, on how to distribute this cash to your two daughters or your wife, etc., uh, or to Lewis, if you're very generous, mm -hmm. then, uh, there will be a continuity of management over these assets. So what you achieve is shifting something from your pocket, from your PNL to the PNL of this floating structure, and thereby it is not impacted by incapacity. It's not impacted by uh, something happening to you and you passing away. But think of other risk. Uh, divorce is one. Yeah. Uh, creditor coming knocking at the door. Uh, plenty of entrepreneurs here have personal guarantees. Yeah. Uh, so what if you fail to meet uh, payroll and you, you, if you start to have issues with your bank? If you segregate that asset, it is completely protected and unattainable for creditors. It's quite overwhelming because when we first started the process, obviously I'd like to think of, I'm quite open-minded look at different things. But when I first started, I thought, wow, this is something new I'm, I'm not used to. How hands-on are MHQ regards to kind of guiding someone new to this so uh so so maybe if we stick back a little bit uh, uh, i used to have the pleasure of chairing the society of trust and estate practitioners for the middle east at a time where foundation did not exist here and uh a wonderful thing in this country is that the government is very uh, aware and listening to people coming with ids they can reject them but they can also approve them in this specific case, there were a series of white papers given to the government, one of which was, hey, you need to look at this foundation structure because for your domestic families, for people coming here, uh, there is a need uh, to address legacy planning, business continuity. Otherwise, all the money will actually go abroad. So what we want is people continue to invest, have confidence in the market, stay here. And this is one of the tools that helps that confidence. So. 
when that white paper was given to the government and the law implemented in the Dubai International Financial Center, later uh, earlier in the Abu Dhabi global market and later in Ras Al Khaimah. Now you have this and the role of a firm like ours is to handhold entrepreneurs that are interested, educate them and uh, we're not as successful as you, but we have our series of webcasts uh, to uh, self help people self-educate themselves and then to help them implement. Today, there's around 800 such structures uh, in the Middle East. Doesn't sound like much, but it's actually a lot. Uh, the numbers have been doubling every year. Last year, 250 foundations were registered. This year, we are on track for around 300, which is one per day. So that means every day, one entrepreneur chooses to structure or restructure using a domestic tool available and improve his uh, ability. And that's what we are doing with people. I actually learned that myself a few weeks ago. I've been watching uh, Jan's podcast. So if you get a chance to look on MHQ on YouTube, some really, really useful videos on there. The foundations in general, they're normally assigned to, they're not all in one place. So for what I learned, obviously DIFC, her foundations, you're out of one there, ADGM, where yeah. else is there? Is anyone, anyone else? Uh, there's a third center in Ras Al Khaimah, which yeah. also has uh, this structure. They are, they all have pros and cons. Uh, I would say they are equally good. I like to compare them to cars. So one is Mercedes, one is BMW, and the third one is Volkswagen. There is no wrong answer. It all depends on circumstances, although with one caveat, is that if you look at Dubai-based real estate, currently, I would argue that the DIFC is a, a superior product because the land department is very comfortable with DIFC structure, whether companies, foundations, or a combination of both. Okay. So the purpose of me setting up a foundation was my to house my real estate assets. So tell us a little bit about it for someone who's, a, who's got properties in their name right now, process of kind of moving them into a uh, into a foundation obviously is a, a kind of a, a gifting which kind of gets undertaken, right? Yeah, so let's talk process, let's talk cost as well, which I think is, is uh, material to this discussion. So you, you mentioned before the way the current conveyance has been simplified. You can pretty much do everything through your phone. Uh, someone calls you, verifies, let's go. That's fantastic. You don't get this in other countries. So the same would apply in this case. Uh, let's take the example of a company transferring real estate to another company. You would simply generate a resolution which gives power to someone to sign. The other company would do the same. Yep. So in your case, let's say you hold that real estate in your own name, uh, you would approve that by yourself and the foundation structure would issue a resolution through its directors, they are called council members, uh, empowering someone to sign and accept the real estate to come. So fairly simple process, uh, not dissimilar to any transaction that you see in the market. And from, from memory, and I don't know the exact figures, so don't quote me that we can kind of put some numbers in the captions on the video. The DLD transfer gifting, from memory, I'm sure it's 0.25% or maybe lower than that, in fact. It's even lower for now. Uh, so let's see. So the, the standard transfer fee is 4%. Yep. Um, that is in a commercial transaction at arm's length. So if I buy from you, it will be 4%. Now, if you hold real estate and you want to structure it into a structure where you and or immediate members of your families, your two daughters, your wife, uh, not your brother, uh, are beneficiaries, then in that case, you will pay a gifting tax of 0.125%. 
Uh, that is the current applicable rate, uh, which is a good deal because a lot of people are taking advantage. If it was 4%, I don't think people would, uh, everyone would go for it. Yep. At zero for one to five is a no brainer. When we set out the initial planning for setting a foundation up, the initial structure we talked about is having a company sitting beneath a foundation. Do you think, I mean, it depends on the individual's needs, but what's your kind of preference or advice in terms of having a foundation and a, a, and a company? So here you come to the topic of structuring and why to structure. And uh, to me, if you have a few properties, uh, they are yours, uh, you live in one of them, I think you can perfectly well operate with foundation only. Uh, if you are in a little bit more sophisticated um, or broader spectrum uh, situation, let's say you have 30, 40 uh, properties, I would encourage people to consider a company underneath the foundation. There are multiple reasons for that. So I give you two. The first is if you have a company that holds all that real estate and you have the foundation at the top, this is the company that will interact with vendors, with tenants that will provide a delegation to a company like yours to manage that on an as-you-go basis. And uh, if you have a dispute, this is the company that will be dragged into the dispute, not the top of foundation, yeah. which may otherwise hold other assets. Uh, that is one of the reasons we like to so-called firewall, uh, the holding of real estate uh, underneath the foundation. The other reason would be to uh, segregate different asset classes. So you could have real estate, you could have uh, financial portfolios, you could have other class of assets in investments. And you do not necessarily want to have everything under the foundation directly. You may want to segregate it below. These are two of the classic reasons for adding an underlying layer. The good news is, uh, and again, that's the government be receptive. Uh, you can now have an underlying holding in the DIFC for a bag of chips, literally. Uh, you do not need to have an office. So it doesn't make Alsop and Alsop happy because you do not sell an Avenise, <laughs> but uh, it makes me happy because I can be the registered agent and the client is happy because he has a holding that is effectively virtual in the DIFC, but very sophisticated and it works for his purposes. So who's it for? Who's the foundation for? Is it for someone that's got one property? Is it someone that's got 20, 50, 30? So how, how sophisticated do you need to be as an investor in this country to have one? Um, the answer would be, there's no limitation. So uh, we as a firm uh, tend to cater for people that have a certain net worth. Um, so it is probably more for the sophisticated family, which has a little bit of net worth and that wants to ensure consolidation, proper ongoing management and legacy planning between generation. That being said, I do have a few foundations for couples. It's the first home. Uh, they were not satisfied with a will. Uh, the, for example, the money, they are Muslims and they do not want Sharia to apply. They cannot have a will that would satisfy them. The money comes from the uh, one side of the family and they want to ensure that if something happens to one of them, that the wife and the kids can continue to uh, live in that house and it doesn't go back to the family. That, In their case, it could only be done through a foundation which would completely segregate the asset and ensure continuity of use for the family. I hate talking costs, please, because do. it can be case by case and situation by situation, but 
if someone sets up a foundation today, reasonably unsophisticated, they have three properties, four properties, mostly in the UAE, what might it cost them? I think it's, uh, it's quite, so before I answer that, and I will, uh, it is important to understand that unlike in a trust where often you would retain a trustee, delegate that to someone else and you have no control. In a foundation, someone reasonably sophisticated, uh, me or someone very sophisticated, you, could actually be in control of his own foundation. That decreases substantially the cost because you do not need to rely on third parties. So yeah. that is the first thing to, to know. Meaning for you guys not to be as involved in the administration? Not, not necessarily. Yeah. We could be yeah. if, if there is value, but we do not necessarily need to be. Okay. Uh, I think it's good to keep in mind um, a number around $8,000 year one and $8,000 per annum after that. That is to avoid probate completely mm -hmm. and uh, ensure full legacy planning. Now, uh, if you compare that to doing nothing, you actually compare that to the cost of going through probate. If you compare that to, let's say, a lesser product, uh, uh, an offshore entity in a free zone in Dubai that I will not name, okay, yeah. uh, that everyone is bonkers about and that we as a firm completely stopped to do four years ago, it costs the same money for no benefits. What is the cost of probate? Because um, typically, you mentioned there, it, 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 what, what is it really? Um, let's assume a standard probate, no question asked, uh, simple family, no objection. Uh, it is safe to budget around $30,000. Really? Well, wow. At least if you go with someone that speaks English. Mm, interested. Corporation tax. It's coming. It is. It's coming. We can't get away from it. We're going through uh, our consultation at the moment and all the bits and keys are involved. How does that impact foundations or companies attached to foundation? Yeah. So first off, my, my take, and I structure assets worldwide for a living. I think it's a good news that the UAE has decided to implement corporate tax because it was the last annoying point for uh, bigger bodies, OECD saying, uh, you are a tax heaven. We're not a tax heaven. I mean, life is expensive here. We pay taxes on everything. Uh, so it's, we are a structuring center of high quality, which happens to have some fiscal loopholes, which people can benefit of if they live here and they invest. The same applies to family holdings and to foundations. So when you look at corporate tax, any entity that is registered in this country whether an operating structure, a holding structure, a foundation will have to register for corporate tax and either it is will be subject to 9% or will be able to seek an exemption at zero. Most passive structures, i.e. a holding structure or foundation, will, uh, just as a virtue of not being operational or only holding assets, be able to seek an exemption and be at 0%. So a landlord has a company attached to a foundation receiving rental income, no other transactions or anything related to that operations potentially could. Um, so, so if you receive dividend, let's say from companies, okay. this, I can guarantee you it will be at 0%. What we do not know yet, and fortunately the timing of this uh, little meeting is a little bit off by a couple of weeks, but we can always update uh, your uh, your viewers in a couple of weeks, 
is we are waiting for a clarification from the fiscal authorities on what is deemed a qualified income. A qualified income being the one that is actually able to seek exemptions. And we do not know yet how real estate revenue from tenancy will be treated. Okay. Because things are changing. Obviously, there have been some updating laws, certainly news in the last week, a couple of weeks, about corporate tax. And whilst it comes in the 1st of June, most companies won't be filing for another yep. 12 months, maybe 18 months after that period, depending on when the tax year falls, right? Correct. So uh, you'll have to register until 2025. And uh, the first filing, most likely for many people, will be 2024 in June for the first filing. So there's plenty of time. That being said, it's good to prepare like your firm does. Uh, we And we engage with people from the get-go so that they understand what they are up to. What I can guarantee is that, and we had clients that asked us the question saying, oh, so I will hold structuring now because I may be treated worse if it's in a structure than if it's not. This won't be the case. Uh, it will be more on what sort of income do you get and the value of that income and the nature of that income. And if it's in an individual capacity or in a structure uh, or, in, or in a foundation, it won't be treated worse. Is there anything else, Jan, that you maybe want, might want to share about this particular sub subject or what might be coming in the UAE, which might be beneficial to people? The vast majority of our viewers are, pro are, are interested in property. Obviously, this particular subject is really interesting to me, and I'm sure it will be to a lot of other people. But is there anything that you want to kind of round up on that might be beneficial to people knowing about this subject or anything attached to it? So, uh, so maybe a couple of uh, hot nuggets. And as, you are, as we have discussed, there was a big evolution of the menu of structures and solutions available in this country, going from a burger to a full set uh, Sunday brunch. Yeah? Uh, so now you have everything. We have companies, we have companies with substance, without substance, we have foundations, we have trusts. So perhaps a, a question would be, okay, I'm familiar with trust, so why not a trust to set up, segregate these real estate? Because I'm familiar with that. Maybe I come from the common law world uh, and I would prefer that over a foundation, which I do not necessarily understand today and I do not want to educate myself. The issue in, so the UAE knows trust. You can set up a trust here. You can either appoint a trustee or set up your own trustee. It's very easy to do. But it's all about how can you make it work in practice. And if you go to the DLD today and you say, I have a trust and this is my trusty company, you will be unable to register the property because they are not educated yet. That being said, kudos to the land department people because in about four or five years, they educated themselves very well on foundation. And if you go with a foundation today, they understand it. So. If you often compare foundation and trust, both exist, but for real estate strictly in the UAE, it doesn't work. The second point that I think is, is topical uh, is bank account. Uh, foundation work with everything in the UAE. You can go to a private bank uh, and it works. They are, you have sophisticated people in front of you and they will sign off. You can transfer shares, you can transfer real estate, you can register a car or several. Uh, anything works. The only downside to that is that most of the universal banks transactional division are late to the party and it takes a little bit of time for them to get up to speed with um, holding structures and foundations.
I found that firsthand, like a lot of people. So there's only seven, what, 700 foundations in the UAE? Uh, about 800, yep. People's understanding of what this is, and even people in this company, like so, the, the knowledge is so limited. And I'm hoping over the coming years, I think certainly bodies you deal with daily, there'll be a better understanding of, of this and easier to kind of get things set up. And it's why you've got you guys to help us do a lot of the stuff. Uh, I'll give you a number which unfortunately does not help uh, preaching new solution. What a foundation is a Tesla. Uh, what a lot of people are preaching is a Saab 9000 CD, which was a nice, a nice car in the 90s, but uh, the, the building of which was discontinued. Yeah. Uh, in the UAE, there is by and large 5000 corporate services providers. These are official numbers. Do you know how many of these are operating out of the two financial centers and therefore are actively pitching sophisticated solutions? I would imagine a very small number. It's about 1%. So 1% are the people that are at the top of the market, are pushing for new solution, are pushing out educated, sophisticated clients. And let's say 95% are still trying to force feed a product from yesteryear to a knowing client, and that's what needs to change. Jan, it's been an absolute pleasure. I always love spending time with you. We had a lunch a couple of months ago. Um, fascinating man. Anyone that is looking for any form of advice, whether it's to do with a company, um, foundations, anything like that we've talked about today, I implore you, have a conversation with these guys. These are probably some of the best people I've worked with in 15 years of business. Um, really enjoy working with them and they know their stuff so definitely reach out to MHQ you can jump on our YouTube channel to see some of the videos some of the things we've talked about, talked about today of course we would love it if you like subscribe comment or if you have any questions for Jan drop them in the comments we can get them over to him and maybe we can do a little follow up in a, in a few months time or a few weeks time with, with some, of his, some of his feedback but thank you very much buddy for your time and we'll see you soon hopefully and you and good luck for uh, the rest of the year Business is good. This is good. Thank you. Bye.